I could go back in time, I would unmake Bristlebrand. That card was a mistake, and uh, every deck it appears in is entirely degenerate and shouldn't exist. You can't change my mind. I mean, if you're going to cast Unmake, you might as well cast like Swords to Plowshares instead. Two mana cheaper. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just, just saying. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really good at the deck building part of this whole thing, but... Yeah, hey, I have some full. I have those full art unmakes though for Popper. <laughs> All right, hello and welcome everyone to the episode or episode sixteen of the Eternal Implications podcast. I'm Travis, your host tonight. I'm joined by my main man Gilbert. How are you doing? Doing good. Tired. Working lots of twelve-hour shifts at work, but uh, other than that, not too bad. How about you? Uh, it's, it's pretty bad actually. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> if I had to be really honest. It's nice to talk about it, and it's super cathartic to like vent to everyone. For sure, yeah, things are. Not so great in my world, uh, like leaving my job has been extremely difficult and like I'm still around because my last day isn't until yeah, the 12th and I have to like transition to the next guy and oh, it's just super awkward. But uh, yeah, I've been playing a lot of Legacy and losing a bunch as well. My uh, limited rating <laughs> is now a full 150 points higher than my constructed rating because I've been lo- I've been losing so much in Legacy rough, and dominating man. in cube drafts. <laughs> so yeah, well I've been messing around. I've been like brewing and I played this uh, rug infect oh, list last night and went one and three or one and four. So it was pretty fun. <laughs> it was super fun though. All right, so today on our episode, we're going to be covering our uh, initial thoughts to the Stoneforge Mystic Ban in Modern, or excuse me, Unban in Modern, along with Hogak and Faithless Looting, and just see how the metagame has landed. We're also going to talk about two specific decks, one that I'm uh, just keeping my eye on, and then one that Gilbert's keeping his eye on. And then I have, like I said, that Legacy GP coming up, and I'm likely just going to play the best deck, because that's what I'll end up doing. Uh, but we're going to touch on the legacy metagame in anticipation for GP Atlanta in about 10 days. All right, so let's dive in. Yeah, Gilbert, for sure. how do you think the metagame in modern is doing? Do you think it's healthy? Uh, yeah, for the most part. Uh, I think it's still shaking out. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I this is the most fun I've had brewing and trying new decks. Um, I played... Uh, a Bant control list, like a more mid-rangey list uh, this past weekend. Did really medium, just two and two. Uh, but I cast Thragtusk a bunch of times uh, and cast uh, Sphinx's Revelation a bunch of times. So uh, that that's a net win for me. Uh, other than that, yeah, there's a lot of cool things running around. Um, we'll touch on one of them here in a bit. But uh, yeah, the meta I still think is shaking out and we still don't know uh what the best stoneforge shell is and you know i was i was complaining earlier that a lot of people are saying the sky is falling with other decks and stuff uh but uh yeah overall i think it's i think it's really good right now it's probably one of the best times modern's ever had uh it's open it's interactive and there's a lot you can do speaking of a lot you can do and decks that were opened up we want to hit on a handful of decks that have kind of leaped in the meta now that Hogak is gone and Stoneforge Mystic has been unleashed onto the the mid-range metagame. 
the deck that I think gained the most from the Faithless Looting Ban, in addition to the other ban, is Death Shadow. And there's all sorts of variants of Death Shadow that have really taken advantage of this. Whether it's Mardu or Four Color or Jund, I saw Matt Nass post a list yesterday with Jund that list Shadow. Was very cool. Yeah, with Traverse the Ulfenwald and being able to search up your one ofs, it's really neat. Yeah. So, so I think Death Shadow is the biggest gainer. I know you would like to add another deck to that list. Uh, go ahead and take it with your five color garbage list. Hey, man. Uh, you know. <laughs> It is what it is. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> the Niv-Mizzet deck, the Bring the Light deck, um, it's hard to call it a single deck because there's so many different variants because there's so many different cards you can play. Um, but it all works around the... Well, it's not really a combo. It's just an engine of Niv-Mizzet Reborn um, or Bring to Light and getting into play and drawing a bunch of cards. Like You could technically draw 10 cards with it. The average is something like 4.6. I saw Frank Karsten do the math, but on average, it's like 4.6 cards you're going to draw. Um, and you're also getting a sizable body along with it for five mana. Um, and, you know, before Modern Horizons, it it had to play some pretty tight mana. It had four safe right quests. Um, and it's only playing one now. And it's working off the engine of the, the snow engine. It's playing Arkham's Astrolabe, uh, which I think oh, is... I love that card so much. Yeah, you and me both. And uh, it's really cool to see. You get, a, you get to play a lot of cool cards. Like, <clears throat> you get Tulsimir, Friend of Wolves, like the new Tulsimir. You get Huntmaster <laughs> of the Fells. Um, some versions play Nahiri. Some versions play Renin Six. Uh, they play Thought Erasure. Um, you know, you get Deafening Clarion, which is pretty cool. Kaya's Guile, um, Unmoored Ego, which is really good in a Tron metagame. Um, and then your sideboard, you get a bunch of powerful cards like Lavinia or Wheel of Sun and Moon or a Cumball. Uh, and my favorite, Karanos, God of Storms. So ridiculous. Yeah, there's a lot going on. And then like the Red and Six list even plays a Ghost Quarter to recur over and over and over again, uh, which is incredibly greedy and I love it. Uh, but yeah, no, the other thing to mention about these decks is they're really cheap. Like the non Renin 6 version is like 650 That's insanely cheap for a modern deck. So Yeah, that, that's almost as cheap as Infect, and Infect is mostly just commons and uncommons. So. Yeah, this is just bulk rares and uncommons. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it really is. Yeah, no, it's like Nahiri is the cheapest she's ever been. The bulk of the price comes from the mana base. Um, the, the next most expensive thing you're playing is, you know, three assassins trophies and a Coligan's command. Like, yeah, it's, it's bulk rare, some birds of paradise and some good mana. Uh, it's pretty cool. Um, like that it's just all held together <clears throat> and it went nine and oh, and won the, the, uh, modern playoffs on, was it Sunday or is that Saturday? And it had a that was bunch Saturday, of yeah. people. And how many people did you say that capped at? Man, there was this huge what to do on Twitter about it. A bunch of people grinded the 35 format points the week before so they could play. And then when they went to sign up, they found it was capped at like 380 something. And yeah, there were still, players. yeah, there must have been at least 50 retweets on Twitter that I saw of people who couldn't get in. Yeah, so, Nassif played in the Vintage Challenge and said, I was, I was looking forward to seeing him stream Soul Herder, which is another deck that gained a bunch. 
Uh, I was looking forward to seeing him like streaming the challenge with that because that deck's really, really cool. Uh, but he, he played the Vintage Challenge instead. Before we jump to Soul Herder, that's even on our list. I want to ask you, like, do you think this is actually good in the metagame right now? Your... <clears throat> the the Niv-Mizzet deck? Yeah, your five-color Niv-Mizzet Reborn deck. Yeah, honestly. Um, it's It can combat just about any deck. Like, it's probably not very good against Burn, I would assume. Um, I think you'd have to, like, up your Coaddle count and then... I don't know, like Deafening Clarion's okay against Burn too. Uh but yeah, I think you'd have to like up your your or something. But other than that, like it comes out of shadow pretty well. Like it doesn't care about the Wurza deck because it has um Thought Erasure and um what is the name of the card? Unmored Ego. <clears throat> so you're able to rip them apart and exile, you know, their their win conditions, which is pretty nice. Um, and then you generate a real clock against the control decks, and you also just have a burn package with Lightning Helix. Uh, so yeah, as a whole, I think it's pretty pretty well positioned. I don't know how the Jun matchup is. That's not that's not one I've seen much. Uh, I got to imagine it's probably pretty close though, like all of Jun's matchups. So yeah, I don't know. Like I I I think it's pretty good right now. If you can draw four point six cards on yeah. turn. Three or four, I think you're pretty locked in to beat Jund. That's true. Yeah, if you put it that way. <laughs> yeah, and you're you're getting what is Nib a five five, right? He's a five five? Six six trample. He's a six six trample. Yeah. So I, I could be wrong. Let's look at that. Flying. Six six flying, not trample. Six, six, six flying. So that's a, that's a sizable body. You've also got Huntmaster of the Fells, which is nothing to scoff at. Like that card's really, really powerful. So I, I look forward to seeing how this goes. Uh, you know, you even have main deck artifact hate and Coligan's command. So it's yeah, I think I think the deck's here to stay. I don't think we've seen the best variant of it yet. People are really torn on whether you play Ren and six or not. Um, I don't think you do, but I, I think that demands you to be a little greedier with your mana. Um, and I don't think that's the game you want to play. So uh, either way, though, like all the lists seem you know pretty sweet. So I look forward to seeing how it goes. All right, uh, let's go to the next deck. And this is the one that I think has gotten the most hyperbole among pros and uh, like just random people talking about it. And that is Urza List. Yeah. So we've seen Urza, Lord High, Artificer. And by golly, gee whiz, do people like to hyperbolize how good this deck is? So I've seen different lists. I highlighted one that I thought was really neat. And it was uh, leveraging Paradoxical Outcome as a four of, and then really going hard on like four Mishra's Bobble, four Mox Opal, even a Mox Amber, because you're playing Psy and Urza. And uh, yeah, just going ham. Uh, even playing four Engineered Explosives, I'm assuming you play them for zero mana, and uh, they tap for a blue, or they bounce and draw your card. So there's a lot of things going on with this deck, but at the end of the day, it boils down to you're going infinite, and the question is, how soon can you do that? Right. And, like, this list has got the backup of just drawing a million cards and killing with Saheeli as well, I guess, um, without going infinite. But I don't know, man. Like, I think this is my favorite of the lists, kind of in the same vein as you, but... Like exactly like you said, people are people are overrating it. I, I don't I don't think it's that terrifying. I definitely think it's in the top eight decks. 
but like i don't know i think anytime anyone sees an artifact deck in modern they just like to scream about how busted it is um and i don't think that's fair like i don't yeah i don't think that's a reasonable thing to say about this deck oh it has an infinite combo whatever i mean i think lantern in its prime was better than urza or the urza variants are right now like if you compare them at their peaks i think lantern was better um and people whined about lantern a lot but nobody ever really thought it was the best deck i don't think um yeah i i don't know like seems odd to me to call this deck the best uh, especially when you're counting on playing your urza on turn three or four and having enough artifacts untapped left to go off from there um it, it seems like you're asking for a lot and i think this more all-in version that you've posted up is probably better suited to do it than these traditional like doctor sword versions if i'm being honest yeah and there's a difference for sure this is put up by 10 grams and uh, it got ninth place at the mtgo ptq which was just this weekend there were 411 entrants which made me think wow ninth that's uh that's notable and uh, yeah. i just wanted to bring that up i also really like the one of sahili so cool <laughs> So, I do as well. <laughs> uh, Sahili Sublime Artificer, the Planeswalker, allows you to get a bunch of those tokens. And yeah, go ham. I'm pretty sure those tokens are artifacts, aren't they? They are, yeah. Yeah, so when Urza comes down, you have just a million blue mana. It's crazy. Okay, yeah, it's let's move absurd. on. Yeah, let's move on to our next two decks we wanted to highlight. Things that have gained traction i wanted to mention jund i think jund is in, in the same spot it's always been 50 percent, but because of certain additions with modern horizons i think it's a little higher than it used to be i uh, feel a lot more comfortable with ren and six in jund than i do in any other deck in modern agreed there's a lot of talk when it first came out with Ren and Six, that so you could put a bunch of like cycling lands together with like life from the loam and do something crazy there. But I just think having the one damage and then filling out your mana base is good enough. And Jun gains a lot from that. Yeah. Um it like the um like the redundancy and making sure you hit your land drops uh in Jun is is huge. So having an engine that does that, that comes out on their turn two and pairing so well with Liliana the Veil so you're, you know, never down a card is really, really nice. I'm currently building this, and I just got my uh, Black Cleave Glyphs this last Saturday, so I'm only Liliana the Veils and, like, a scavenging ooze away. And I can't wait to bust it out and get a feel for how it's going to do in paper. And then the last deck I wanted to mention is is soul herder bant so this is the snow list that was made famous by man none other than saffron olive himself i'm pretty sure he's the nope. guy nope you don't think so it's not saffron well he's the one who made it super famous because he's the first guy i saw playing it Psst. it's gabriel nasif my guy hall of famer he's not as popular this is insane to me <laughs> But yeah, is, no. Yeah, we ha we have I mean, a good friend that plays this deck. And yep. uh, uh, I was down at the shop. Eric is also putting it together right now. Oh, that's that that explains why he wanted my eternal witness. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. 
So I think we need to start <laughs> playing Anger of the Gods in our meta. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a good chance uh, that might push me back to Jeff's guy. <laughs> uh yeah the deck's super cool like it's a lot of the versions have uh an, an infinite combo with time warp and eternal witness and um soul herder like when we all saw soul herder spoiled i'm pretty sure none of us thought it was gonna be modern <laughs> yeah like i like i joked about putting it in some jank deck and trying it with a lot of the same stuff i didn't think it was gonna make an impact you know and to see it like actually, you know, winning and doing well and popping up and the variants splashing my boy Siege Rhino, like it's super cool. And especially the Siege Rhino. Did I mention that? Uh, but you mentioned it. Okay. Just making sure I mentioned that Siege Rhino. Uh, so, yeah. No, I, I don't know. I'm, this is a deck I'm excited about. And the better it does, I think. It is a sign of modern's health when things like this gets get to exist. Yeah, uh, I don't have a whole lot to say other than this deck is super grindy. I like that you can play a bunch of one ofs in the side. Uh, I was talking to Seal, the guy in town who has it, and he was debating sideboard cards, and one of them was Stonehorn Dignitary. <laughs> yep, three drop that causes, or excuse me, a four drop that causes your opponent to skip their combat step when it's their turn. And because with the Soul Herder, you can bounce at every turn, and they just never get a combat. It's like, how does Infect beat something like that? That's yeah, ridiculous. He was, he was playing it in the main for uh, at least a little while. Uh, when he and I were testing my uh, my latest bait list, he had it in the main deck. And uh, I had to kill him with a uh, Teferi Hero Dominaria ult to actually win that game. Uh, it was really, really grindy. But yeah, I couldn't attack with like my colonnades or my quellers or anything. It was nuts. The deck is extremely grindy. With Ephemerate, you're able to go very deep on a bunch of Enter the Battlefield effects, Wall of Blossoms, Eternal Witness. Even like Coiling Oracle, I've seen. Uh, then oh yeah, that's one of their their big ones. Uh, Watcher for Tomorrow is another one they play with the Hideaway. Yeah, it's yeah, like... I've seen that. And then there's also Mole Drifter, where you can oh, yeah. Drifter Ephemerate. And like you captured the picture of that game of his, of mine and his, where I yeah, was playing I Nightfall, and we went oh oh one. Neither <laughs> of us were close to dead. Um, uh, we went the turns. We were both with like forty life or something. It was absurd, uh, but it was one of the most fun games of Magic I've ever played. And I think, uh, I think a deck that generates gameplay like that is very good for the meta game. And I love seeing Zach win. Uh, like seeing him do well always makes me feel good because he always gets so excited. That's true. He and it carries all week. Yeah, it really does. <clears throat> okay, those are the four decks. Well, five decks I wanted to highlight as far <laughs> as things that are going well. One thing I wanted to mention just briefly is we didn't mention any Stoneforge decks. So you mentioned you don't think that there's a specific slot that Stoneforge is like def definitely the best spot for it uh as of yet and i would like to go on record and just say it's not good it's just not good enough in modern there are decks that play uh tarmogoyf for example which i think is just about the same power level so i don't anticipate stoneforge mystic being very uh long for modern 
I anticipate it being more of like a fringe card that we'll see in control decks or sideboard. Uh, but I just don't think it's good enough. I don't think the power level's there. It doesn't match up well against things like Death Shadow or this Soul Herder deck. Uh, it's just, it's not enough value. Yeah, uh, when everybody's looking to eke out advantage, I think I think it's a, a tale of two halves. I don't think it was quite as powerful as what a lot of people thought it was going to be, but I also don't think it's ba- as bad as what Twitter seems to think it is. Um, I think it's falls somewhere in the middle. And I think it's going to wax and wane depending on, you know, what's good at the time. If people pack their hate, the card's not going to be very good. Uh, when you're just getting two for one, when you, you know, waste your whole turn doing something and dedicate six slots in your deck to, it feels really bad. Uh, so as long as the meta is in that, in that shape, uh, I think I think we're not going to see it perform. It, it's along the same lines of like death and taxes and legacy. Uh, whenever Coligan's command's good there, like with check pile, Death and Taxes doesn't generally do well. And I think this is kind of in the same vein. I think you're right. All right, I would like to talk briefly about Legacy as well. I've been jamming a lot of Legacy online, mostly messing around and losing, which has been (laughs) a little, uh, how would I put this, humbling. (laughs) I had a pretty sick run in Modern for a long time, but I think I'm down to like, 20 tickets or something in Legacy. So uh, I just wanted to kind of hit on what the metagame is doing right now. If you're one of those people who are planning on flying to Atlanta or playing in one of these uh, MTGO PTQs, uh, there's two, I believe, in the month of September for Legacy. And then even in Atlanta, I'm pretty sure there's four MCQs uh, that qualify for Richmond that are all Legacy. Uh, I think I heard that, so I could be wrong, but I plan on playing the one Friday if there's one Friday, because I'm flying in Thursday. That's awesome. Let's talk about the metagame right now, and where it's at, and where we kind of expect it to go. So I wanted to highlight, number one, the top two decks are very similar, but they're distinct as well. And those two decks are Rug Delver, that is Renin 6, essentially, and Four Color Delver, which is pushing your mana base a little harder for black. Uh, With Rug Delver, this is kind of dominating a lot of the metagame. There was uh, the format playoff, which was won by Rug Delver. There's a couple different versions as well. There's no bad cards Rug Delver. There's a snow list of Rug Delver. Uh, There's things that mess around with like snow lands, but they're basically all the same cards. But then you get access to like Blood Moon or Back to Basics. But at the end of the day, it's just the combo of having Days, Wasteland, Delver, and Ren and Six. And being able to Ren and Six Wasteland is extremely powerful in Legacy right now. Oh, yeah. And then moving on from there, you have a couple of decks that are all like right behind it. And I want to put them all in the same category, even though they're very different decks. So we have Red Prison, which Rich Shea has been doing really well with. Uh, I've been kind of following him, and he thinks it's the best deck. Uh, In that same vein, Dark Depths has gotten a huge boost. There's a lot of talk lately about 
whether you should be going back to turbo lists or you should be doing slow depths. I think either way, you're going to be in a pretty good spot. The rug lists have been messing around with Caracas and uh, what is the one where you sacrifice a land to search your library for a land? Green instant. Oh, crop rotation. Yeah, they're messing around with crop rotation and Delver decks just because Dark Depths is a problem. And uh, there's a lot of debate about whether you should just be doing Vapor Snag or Submerge or something like that. But I, I think uh, Depths is well positioned. It's a deck that I would consider playing. Uh, sadly, it's a deck I've lost to a lot. And <laughs> I've had to tune my lists in Legacy to kind of adjust for that. The the reason you might want to go to Turbo Depths is because you have access to three or maybe even four Pivoting Needle, and you can shut off your opponent's Ren, you can shut off your opponent's Wasteland, you can shut off your opponent's uh, even Ghost Quarter or Caracas. So yeah, Dark Depths in a good spot. Also wanted to mention Black Red Reanimator. There's a lot of very loud people on Twitter. Yeah. Who I mean, at the end of the day, they're just talking louder than everyone else. Who are using language like "this deck is busted," and I don't I don't think it's there. Uh, it mulligans a lot, and when it mulligans and doesn't go off, it's very anemic. Um, in fact, it's a deck that I feel pretty comfortable sitting down and playing against, especially as a rug player. And the more Rug starts dominating, I think Black Red Reanimator is going to uh, disappear just a little bit. It struggles getting through the combo of Days and uh, Force of Will, and now even like Force of Negation coming out of the side of some of these lists. The deck well, that it... Oh, go ahead. Stifle, Stifle can even blow them out too, right? Like I did that when I was playing Stifle and Fish. Like Stifle their Gristle brand activation, and a lot of times they've then used enough resources that they can't redraw. Somehow, or get through the last couple bits of damage before they attacked again, but yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, once the Grizzlebrand is in play, it's almost over, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I've won through that a couple times, but it's hard. It's uh, it's why I, I hate that card. <laughs> and... I'm likely going to be playing Rug, and in my Rug lists, I'm going pretty hard on four, or excuse me, three Surgical Extraction in the side. I just found that to be extremely powerful, uh, whether I'm playing against Lands, or I'm playing against Sneak and Show, or in this case, Black Red Reanimator. So the prevalence and existence of Surgical Extraction, Force of Negation, Force of Will, and Days all being free counterspells to what Black Red Reanimator is doing, and they all fit into a Delver deck. <laughs> It makes me think I would not want to be on Black Red Reanimator, despite the London Mulligan and the rhetoric on Twitter. About magic stuff, um, just say the opposite of what the grinders are saying on Twitter, and that seems to be uh, seems to be the best way to go. <laughs> I there was a really sick burn I listened to the other day where someone said. Whatever Bob Wong is doing, just do the opposite. <laughs> like, oh, whatever you see, what who's doing? Bob Wong, Bob Wong. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> just, whatever he's hey. playing, figure out some other deck. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Bob. <laughs> it was. I mean, I don't know Bob very well. I don't know if he's good or not, but it was a really funny joke. He's 
good. He's, he's not always the nicest guy, but he's he's a pretty damn good player. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was funny. Uh, oh, yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> so, last three decks I wanted to talk about, and these are decks that I think are well-positioned. I'm kind of scared to play against them. They have fairly decent matchups against what I'm going to be doing, the rug thing. And that is, we'll start with blue-white stone blade or bladeless is probably where you want to be yeah but the reason that the those, reason those is, are oh go, go ahead, ahead. Sorry. Oh, yeah, I was was <laughs> okay the reason i think it's so good is because you're you have so much access to basic lands and spell pierce spell snare the that combo and then obviously swords to plowshares and then snapcaster swords to plowshares answers a lot of what's happening in these rug lists. So the Spell Pierce, Spell Snare answers are really good against uh, Renin Six. But then with Swords to Plowshares, you can answer almost all their threats. So whether it's Delver or it's Dreadhorde Arcanist or Tarmogoyf, you're able to get uh, a lot of value just out of a one mana spell. And then being able to snap it back is very powerful. Council's Judgment is also a huge reason to play it. Because you can kill your opponent's true name, you can kill your opponent's Renin Six, and yeah, I'm very impressed with that card. And then with the late game of Jace the Mind Sculptor, you can kind of tailor it and pick your spot to go in, and then grind that out to a victory. Yeah, uh, like I was gonna say, they're both decks that I have quite a lot of experience with, um, and I think they're both pretty damn good right now for all the reasons you said. Basically, um, like having access to basic lands. And, you know, also a lot of the times back to basics, uh, it's it's just absolutely punishing and absolutely crushing for a lot of these And your answer is just to line up and incredibly clean with the rest of the format, especially these these Tempo-style decks that are looking to eke you out with one-for-ones and then establishing a value engine. I just don't think you can do that when your mana is getting constricted by, uh, by back to basics. I was watching Max Horton, I believe his name is. He essentially came up with the no bad cards rug list. Yeah. NBC rug that a lot of people are playing. And it just won the format playoff. And uh, he did a vlog where he was holding up a pyroblast and some, like his opponent played, what was it? It was a... a like a ponder or a preordain or something like that, pretty minimal. And this was late in the game. There was like five lands in play. And he said, well, I think like his opponent top decked the the spell. And he's like, hmm, I think I'm going to save the Pyroblast for something that I can't beat. And uh, the opponent top decks, uh, whether ponder or preordain, I don't remember, but he uh, top decks the... Uh, back to basics and plays it and when it's on the stack max goes oh yeah i can't <laughs> beat that card and so yeah I, I as soon as he said that i'm like oh my gosh i gotta figure out a way to put this in my deck because if you can just jam a three mana enchantment into your deck that wins the game if it resolves and then you can back it up with days or you can back it up with force of will or negation that's probably where you want to be so that's one of the reasons i'm jamming uh rug but I'm probably going to play a snow list with uh, back to basics. Anyway, giving away my secrets. <laughs> it's uh, it's gold. <laughs> we'll see if it's good or not. 
And then the last two decks, uh, the reason I pick these is because they match up fairly well against Rug, but also some of these other combo decks. So Ant, uh, or Storm, whatever you want to call it, has a fairly decent matchup against mid-range blue decks. So like, you know, whether you're doing uh, Renin Six or Delver or uh, Tarmogoyf, Ant does not care one, one iota about that kind of thing. It's like, so oh, about... you're dead. <laughs> yeah, so when they cast Duress or when they cast uh, Thoughtseize, they can take your days or they can take your one blue card and leave you with Force of Will and then go to town. And uh, it just doesn't care about the incremental value of Renin Six because it's just going to go off so hard. So I like Ant a lot. We don't need to talk about that. It's a fairly old deck, been around for almost a decade now. And then the other deck, which has gotten a resurgence lately, is Sneak and Show. For the longest time, people weren't able to play Sneak and Show, but it's been putting up results lately. So I want to put it in my top eight as far as decks you need to watch out for and be careful with. JPA93, uh, I think his real name is Jonathan Angelishu or something. I'm so bad with names, but he's been putting up a ton of results with it. Uh, at one point, he was the Legacy League trophy leader and just jamming Sneak and Show from what I could tell. And the deck has yeah, a really, I, I a really good too. matchup. Yeah, so go ahead. I uh, this, this is one of those decks that people underestimate. Uh, they're like, oh, you know, I, I have my continuous uh, a lot of people forget the fact that these decks are packing a full suite of counter magic and all the cantrips too. Like it's something you actually have to be prepared for and a matchup you actually need to know. Um, and a lot of people's threat assessment in the matchups poor. So even if their matchups close to uh, close or good, they lose a lot of the times uh, because they either get a little too greedy or they play right into the sneak and show player's hand. Because this isn't one of those combo decks that has to be. Like they'll play the long game with you and then kill you. And I think a lot of people forget that. And once people are low on remembering that, I think that's when a deck like this shines. Might be why it's doing so well. Yeah, so. I think so. Yeah. So that's my list of top eight uh decks. Uh, I've already mentioned a couple of key cards that I think are great right now. I just wanted to mention as well, Hex Drinker has kind of overperformed in a bunch of lists I've seen. Heck yeah. Yeah, and man, I think it even was a one of in a deck that won the playoff, the No Bad Cards rug. And there's a little bit of debate about whether you want one, two, three, or even a full suite. And I think the correct answer is you want it strictly as a one of, because if you draw it in multiples, you just don't have enough mana to pump both. But if you can guarantee you only ever draw one, then I think it's much better. So yeah, hmm. I agree. I can um, I kind of think one is where you want to be. Yeah, I agree. It's one of those cards that makes me want to like try a Nick Fit list again because it's a deck that could really abuse it due to having all the extra mana. I think it would be really cool, uh, but it's not something I've really had the time or inclination to mess with. I'm sure I will eventually. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another card I wanted to mention, which has kind of fallen out of favor and opened up a door for another deck, uh, but the card that has fallen out of favor is Plague Engineer. For the longest time, that was, or I shouldn't even say the longest time, for, man, probably four or five weeks <laughs> as it was first released. It was everywhere, and it was uh, killing Delvers and blocking Tarmogoyf. Uh, just a very powerful card. I don't see it 
like at all in legacy leagues anymore. And like I mentioned in this top eight list, there's only one deck that really would play it, and that's four color Delver. But everyone's just playing Rug because it's more efficient. You're going to be able to cast your spells more often. You're not going to be susceptible to Wasteland. So uh, because that's not on the scene, Elves is also putting up results. And uh, we just need to be aware uh, that Elves is still an incredibly powerful combo deck. It's still extremely good. And it can fight through a Renin 6 uh, fairly easily. Uh, just by being aware of when to cast which spell, which elf. And uh, it has so many ways to bounce elves that it's hard to just target. And yeah, I'm very impressed with elves as well. But that's probably like definitely tier two. So I think so too. I think it's at the top of the tier two, but yeah, I agree. Um, I've been seeing the li the lists with uh, <clears throat> Reclaimer. Is that the name of the card? The one that, uh, the one that can uh, like tutor a plants. That guy. Elvish, Rec Elvish Reclaimer, yep. Yeah. Um, I've been seeing uh, Elves lists with him and the Dark Depths combo. Yeah, so it's people are people are experimenting with the deck again. Uh, Julian's been back to playing it, which is I think he's probably put up more online results with the deck than anybody else. Um, and I think he even has like some eternal weekend finishes with it. So if he's back on it, it's probably something to pay attention to. Yeah, it makes me want to go back to Grixis uh, control, like Reed Duke style. Yeah. But but it struggles so hard against Ren and Six. And Ren and Six is so good that you just, I feel like you just have to play it if you're going to do a mid-range thing. No, I feel you, man. So bad to cast him to Turok against your opponent with a Ren and Six because they're like, Discard these two lands that I returned. So yeah, it's Ugh. like, oh cool, I got out ground. That felt great. Thank you. May I have another? <laughs> Real. All right. Any last thoughts before we close out this podcast, Gilbert? Um. Everybody, send me your Citrinos. <laughs> okay. I I don't think I have any Citrinos. So no, I got them all already. <laughs> you got all mine. Uh, I just want to mention our Patreon. That's uh, patreon.com slash eternal implications. No one took me up on my offer for an additional soul ring. Uh, I'll up the ante. I'll give you a pack of Modern Horizons if you subscribe for three months. Uh, yeah, so do that. Give us your money. We would like to sponsor events <laughs> down at the local shop. I was thinking this would be so cool if we could like sponsor an event and add like fifty dollars to the prize pool and uh get a bigger turnout oh, so that would be super cool yeah so we got to get some people donating to do that uh yeah give us your money and we can make awesome things happen with magic and we'll even send you a couple of magic cards all right gilbert where can people contact oh, you cut you out on me there they wanted to uh, <laughs> but uh yeah you can find me at ours is the fury on twitter and instagram and uh yeah i think that'll do it for us tonight um like travis said check go check out our patreon link will be in the description um otherwise you guys have a great night and uh, we'll see you again next week